Welcome to Sage Bell Conlon. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Nick Hyde. I want to share with you some thoughts today about something that really fascinates and intrigues me. I hope by the end of our time together, it's something that's on your radar as well. I am fascinated by community by what groups of people with something in common look like, the the way that they behave and how people come to belong. I'm sure you've got some experience of community. At least you can see it all around you. Maybe you've been in a sporting team or a a hobby club. Maybe uh, you're connected around a stage of life group that's related to your your marital status or the age of your children perhaps or maybe you're part of a band or you're in theater or the arts and producing things maybe you've experienced what it's like to be part of a support group or an interest group based around a particular topic groups of people with common interest are incredibly fascinating some wear uniforms Uh, some have strange or special language some eat strange things together some compete others support but all of them are an assembly of individuals around something common who would probably not normally share life together but something something has grabbed them something has brought them together and something unique is created by individuals choosing to come together to belong and to gather around something common in fact When I think of the word community, the thing that stands out to me is common and unity. This idea that something in common brings us together. It causes us to overlook what otherwise might be differences that could perhaps separate us. You'll find amazing collections of people who you'd never expect to be together in day-to-day life, but based around some sort of common interest or pursuit. I want to take a moment to paint for you a picture of a special kind of community. It's a place characterized by generosity and service. A place where everyone has a part to play, where people from all walks of life and backgrounds and experiences come and find that they belong. It's a place where differences melt away because unity is far greater than what could divide. A place where gifts are revealed and used to build up others and a place ultimately where God dwells and where He moves in power. This is the picture that we have of the early church. It's the picture that we have for us as a church as we continue to move forward. And it's the picture that God wants to invite you into if you've not yet experienced what it means to follow Him and to walk out this journey with others. Ultimately, that is our mission as a church here at C3 Belconnen. We are all about helping people follow Jesus together, not approaching God from a distance, not just gaining some knowledge or studying things. Absolutely, that's important. Not just praying on my own, but praying with others, doing all of these things in a way that stretches and challenges me because I'm up close with you as well. Together, we learn and we grow and we are built into something incredible that God is shaping. This is an incredible season for us at church. We are seeing new things sprout up all over the place. God is moving people are joining in in all sorts of ways our community ministries are growing our abilities to gather together in our services are multiplying and we are excited about the amazing things that god is doing 
We're a part of something that God is building. There's an incredible picture for us painted in Ephesians chapter 2 in a passage that is really our core scripture as a church. I want to read that to you in a moment. But I want to actually take a moment to describe the backstory to this. Where is this passage from? Who is writing it? Who is it to? And, and why is it relevant to us today? Ephesians was written by a guy called Paul to a church, a group of believers, a group of individuals who were beginning to gather around this brand new faith, this revolutionary idea that the Son of God had come to earth, that He had given His life, that we might be set free from sin if we put our trust and our faith in Him, that we could repent and turn away from living for ourselves and instead put our trust and our hope in Him, receive forgiveness and freedom. But the message was that this wasn't just for us as individuals, that this was an invitation into community. Now, the unlikely messenger in this case is a guy called Paul. He was a religious leader. He was, in a lot of ways, the best of the best. He was a, a proud individual. He had worked hard. He had studied hard. He put all this effort into rising to the top of the pile. But when we read him writing this passage, it's a different guy, a transformed man. In, instead, he is writing to a community of people, telling them to love one another, to lay down their differences, to lay down what they think makes them special even, and instead to unite around the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ that has brought them into new life. Paul was a man who had had a radical encounter with Jesus and discovered that life wasn't just about him. He thought he was pursuing what God wanted, but it was actually all about him. No matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he achieved, no matter how good a, a person he was according to human standards, he'd start, become to realize that it would never be enough. Instead, this encounter with Jesus showed him a total transformation, another way to live for God and for the benefit of others. So what was all about him before now became about others and it became about God. Before he was impressive by human standards, after he was on the run with little to his name, often seen as an outcast and a traitor, threatened, beaten, misrepresented, criticized, put down. What a turnaround, what a transformation. But you know what? He didn't care. He discovered a life with a far greater purpose through relationship with Jesus. He discovered that his value was not based on his own achievements, but by what God thought about him, what God declared about him even before he was created. And instead of pursuing his own ends, he became devoted to creating communities where others discovered and lived this out. Maybe you felt like you were pursuing things in one direction and you've come to realize that that's not what life is all about. Well, you're in good company. This guy, Paul, had that revelation through Jesus and committed his life to building communities of faith where people would grow together and bring glory to God. So he wrote to one such community in, in this book that we have of Ephesians. And in chapter 2, he is going to great lengths after he's described the incredible impact and the transformation of what Jesus Christ has done to us, the way it began uh, at the beginning of time, the way God's eternal plan is for us to be brought together in Him. And he describes, gives us an incredible picture that I want to pick up from the message translation of what Jesus has done. The Messiah, it says in verse 14, has made, all th has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both the insiders and the outsiders, the Jewish people and those called the Gentiles, those who were outside of God's holy people. 
He tore down the wall that we used to keep each other at a distance and repealed the law code that became so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing two groups of people separated by animosity and suspicion, he created one new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Some of you needed to hear that, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to the outsiders and to the insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. And here's our core passage as a church from verse 19 through to 22. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith, it's your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets as the foundation. Now he's using you brick by brick, stone by stone, fitting us in to what he is building with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day by day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, into a temple in which God is quite at home. This is an invitation into community. It's a breaking down of barriers. We're not exiles or strangers. We've been brought in. We are invited further into citizenship with rights and responsibilities. We are citizens of heaven and even more so, we are part of God's family. It goes on to say that we are now built in. God is using us. We're not just floating around enjoying each other's company. God is using us. We're not a pile of bricks together, but we're actually being picked up and put in stone by stone. God joining us together, carefully selecting gifts, talents, abilities, skills, building something incredible where everybody has a part to play and He's fitting us together carefully. Just the right pieces in just the right places. No mistakes. This is God's building and it's a place where He is at home, where He dwells, where He moves in power and does incredible things. I love the pictures we have in the New Testament of the church, of the explosion of this radical community. I love what we read in Acts 4, another early picture of this community in action. And after a time of sharing the good news and then encountering opposition from the religious leaders, some of the, some of the church leaders have been beaten and threatened and they go back to their community. But instead of retreating, they go to prayer. And they see this as an opportunity, as a potential time to harvest, just like we're seeing this crazy season as a church and so they pray together and God moves powerfully the Holy Spirit falls afresh on them and gives them a boldness to preach the good news about Jesus they're committed to spreading and creating community it says in verse 32 of Acts 4 I love this snapshot of the church the believers were united there's that word again in one heart and one mind and they felt that what they owned wasn't their own so they shared everything they had they saw that what they'd received was for others as well. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Other versions of that same passage say that, that, that there were that talk about miracles and people coming to faith because the power of God was on the move. 
What were the simple ingredients of that? A united group of people willing to share what they had with others, committed to community, committed to sharing the good news. And God moved in power. He gets on that kind of community. He does incredible things. That's what we want to be at C3 Belconnen. I love this picture of what God is doing and what he wants to do in this atmosphere of sharing and investing in the lives of others and with a willingness to reach out. God moves. There are miracles. His power is at work. These are ongoing experiences, not distant memories. We are called to be a part of this community. We're called to gather together. We're called to grow together. We're called to give together, to sow from what God has put in our hands and in our hearts, in our minds, all the unique things that God has invested in each of us individually as He's called us to be a part of what He is doing. You know, there's one thought that fascinates me and intrigues me about community, and it's, the, it's this. The reality is that community costs something, but it doesn't cost it in a way that something leaves us. It costs us in the way that something can be an investment, okay? There's a difference there. Something can cost me a bill, right? Can cost me. Just purchasing something can cost me, but an investment is a different thought altogether. That's what generosity is. Community is fueled by an attitude of generosity. I'd love us to cultivate this spirit of generosity. Let's be those people who think of giving our time, our energy, our resources, our encouragement to see others thrive and to see community grow so we can live out this brand new life. I love the way generosity cascades and overflows from one life to another. I had this experience many years ago when I was waiting in a line in a petrol station to pay for the petrol I just put in my car. And for some reason, the queue wasn't moving at all. And uh, we discovered that the person at the front who'd put petrol in their car, their card wasn't working. They were having trouble paying for it. And this was holding everybody up. And they were trying to figure out how to do it. Now, I've got to admit, maybe some of my motives was just that I wanted to move on. I wanted to get through this quicker. But as I heard the, the challenge that was going on, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. And I just went up in the front and said, okay, can I help solve this problem? And, you know, clearly I couldn't, uh, I couldn't fix the card reader. I couldn't help the, you know, the service station guy, you know, come up with a different plan. But I said, how about this? How about I pay for this guy's fuel and, and then we can all just go on. And they just couldn't figure it out. The service station guy wanted the other guy to leave his license with me or give me his watch or something crazy. And I said, no, no, I actually want to give this. I just want to pay for it. No strings attached, nothing required. Let me just pay for this guy's fuel and then on we move. And it, it was just so hard for people in that setting to understand. But you know what I know? That when we have those moments of generosity, it stirs something in other people. You know, there are stories about driving, uh, drive-through queues in uh, you know, food outlets and things where one person pays for what the other person behind them had and that starts this cascade of generous activity. Generosity spreads. It is contagious. You know what? Generosity begins with our incredible God. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us about a generous life. It hones in on a moment of giving and a call to generous service of others from Paul, the same guy, to another church. But it concludes with this one statement in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's a reference to his son, Jesus Christ. We hear also about the, the way that, that this generous, uh, generous spirit has got upon others and they are taking steps of faith. We, we discover that generosity produces a great harvest. 
in the lives of others. If you read from verse 10 onwards, you know, we, we've already used this uh, recently, but, but as well, it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He'll provide and increase your resources and produce a great, a great harvest of generosity in you. It goes on to say that this generosity goes out and it causes people to give thanksgiving and praise to God. It shows that we are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ because ultimately it shows that we have heard and understood, believed and acted on the good news. That God was so gracious, so kind to us who were sinners. He gave His one and only Son as a sacrifice for our sins that we could be made right with God. He's invited us into a relationship with Him through what Jesus has done. He has been the most extravagantly generous God. And He's invested in you and I, this generosity that spills out and overflows into the lives of others as we build community together and follow Jesus. All of this starts with God's wonderful gift. And I want to encourage you and also challenge you as we finish up today. I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to allow this spirit of generosity to get on you in a fresh way. To maybe take a step into community. Maybe begin investing in the lives of others in a brand new way. Maybe join us in what we're doing at church as we're reaching out into our community and starting new opportunities to gather and grow together. But maybe you don't know what it is to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ. But the key is you need to understand that God has made an incredibly generous move in your direction. He's given His Son, His best, Jesus Christ, that if you would put your trust and your faith in, you can, in Him, you can walk in eternal life. You can walk in freedom and forgiveness as you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. I want to pray for us all as we finish up here today that whatever God is putting on our hearts, we'd be bold enough to step into. Lord Jesus, thank you for your call in our hearts. As some people are being drawn to put their trust in you for the first time, I thank you that you move in a powerful way as they receive and ask, ask and receive your forgiveness, put their trust in you, Jesus. Peace comes, brand new life starts. And Lord, as we explore and find new ways to walk together in community, let generosity be our experience. Let us overflow in thanksgiving. Amen. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.